We're the Pragmatic Doulas. This is a podcast where we talk all about birth and other interesting things. Birth may be a goddess, but she doesn't want to be worshipped. She wants to be respected. She doesn't want incense. She wants common sense. And we're recording. Yes, we are. Good morning. And take action. Go do it. I see all of us have our beverages in hand. We are prepared. I have hydrated. We are ready. Mine's cold now. Um, I've already had two cups of tea, so I didn't think I couldn't handle another one for. This is what I had this grand idea that I was going to have tea in bed, like early in the earlier, earlier than I usually do, like a fancy lady. So when I woke up at six o'clock, I crept down the stairs when the house was all dark and I made myself tea. And then I brought it back up and sat in bed drinking tea in the dark, quiet of the house. But all that does is make me want to have tea at my usual time. So I've already had two cups of tea. So I don't know if I'm going to keep up that little. It was nice. But then when it came to be like eight o'clock, when I usually have my tea, I wanted to have my tea. It's your routine. Then you had a kettle in your room. I do, but um, I don't have any of the tea that I like to have in the morning. In the morning. Yeah, I haven't brought, brought it upstairs. So I need to, that might help. But yeah, that's what happened this morning when I woke up. It was nice though. I love early morning. It's my favorite time of day. Yeah. I should love nighttime because if you love early morning, then it feels like it's downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to look forward to now. I know. Early morning's over because that's it. Yeah. But it's been uh, so really... nice out. So with the sun yes. and the birds chirping and the blue sky and I'm not gonna be using temperatures. No, it's going to be 22 degrees today. 22. I can't oh, believe that. that's hot. In April. Oh, let me tell you something. I broke out the fan last night. <laughs> I've had the fans since forever. Since it came into this house, it's in my room and it's on every night. Well, I don't. I know people use the fan for the sound of the fan. Um, I like the air circulation. And as soon as it gets to be. 20 like like last yeah my room faces west and so the evenings are really hot in here yeah. i could not go to sleep without without uh yeah. something cooling the room down last night really yeah my mother thinks i'm ridiculous but whatever it's her business this is my best it's my business okay i put the fan on because i like the room to be cool that's my business and the windows were wide open uh, and I had a sheet and a duvet, which I threw off and put back on alternatively all through the night. That's my yeah. business. Yeah. <laughs> I like to be warm under my bed, mm-hmm. cold out in my room. That's yes. how I function. Yes. That's, and if somebody has a problem with that, well, mind your own That's business. That's your business. Just my tell business. them it's my business. Tabitha Brown, the Tabitha Brown says, that's my business. That is my bedroom. That is yeah. my bed. Yeah. Nobody else shares it. Yeah. So I can do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Do you and Roger have like any compromises? Have you made any compromises in your bedroom? Because I can't imagine sharing a room with anybody. 
this is my space. My parents, <laughs> my parents didn't share a room for the last 20 years of their marriage. I get it. Or 30, I think maybe even. I totally get that. If I have enough money and if I ever have a man in my life that I'm living with, I think I might want to have my own bedroom. I would rather, if I had a man in my life, I'd rather he have his own house. Like I don't actually even want to live with another man. I'm good. Yeah. So you can, you can come over and, and fix shit and then go home at night. <laughs> this is one of the things that made my marriage super miserable is because I didn't have any space in my house that was mine. Mine to mess up or keep tidy as I chose. And so now that I have that in my life, it means so much to me to walk into my bedroom messy or cluttered or beautifully tidy as I like. I can't imagine um, I can't imagine sharing it with another adult. Nope. So what do you what do you guys have any compromises you make, Steph? Or are you guys just like, ah, it just all flows and nobody cares? So we're about to make some compromises. So I bought our bed was we we've had our mattress for 20 years. Um, like I think literally we moved into Lily in 1999 and we bought the king size bed then. And we bought it because when I met him, my kids were always in bed with me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm like, this is like our social area. We do everything here. We kind of hang out, we, we eat, we chit chat, we, we watch the hockey game whenever it's on. Um, we watch the Raptors. We all sit in my bed and do this. And I said, so that's, if we're moving in together, we bought this house together, then we need a king size bed because now we have your dog too, Pepper. Um, so that was the first compromise, which wasn't a compromise. It was just me announcing that's what we need. And, um, and it worked just fine. And then, but we've had this for a long time and it started to feel uncomfortable last year. So I bought a, I thought we needed a mattress topper maybe. So I bought a three or four inch, um, I think it's from a company called Lucid mattress topper. And it is glorious. When I, when I crawl into this memory foam topped bed, I feel like I'm being hugged. My hips don't hurt. Everything feels so nice. I feel like I'm in a hotel bed. You know that feeling? Mm -hmm. um, but it is, <laughs> even though I bought this last year, it's been causing a lot of pain for my husband. Oh. Um, but it is still on the bed. And I said, well, maybe we can get a two-inch. We'll compromise and get a two-inch one. And he's, he, I think he's just resistant to getting a mattress topper at all. So what I'm going to do is cut that sucker down the middle and put, put it on my half of the bed. And he can have his half of the bed. I can see also, you rolling over and looking down on him from your three or four <laughs> inches above him going, hi, honey, how are you doing? From your perch. You want to come your perch. You want to come perch. <laughs> like a bunk bed. Yes. Um, but also, I like the room cold, but covered up in my blankets, right? Um, or I stick my feet on him because he's hot. He's all the time. It's like blazing heat all the time. So he often just throws blankets off or just sleeps with the sheet. Um, and which is fine for me because then I get all the blankets. Yeah. So. What about like tidy, tidiness and stuff? That's my concern, really. Yeah, sure. Sharing a bed would definitely so, be a concern because even when I was married, I didn't want to sleep with my husband in the bed. But so I can't imagine sleeping with somebody because I get very hot. I get hot and I don't want people touching me. I don't want your, I don't want your finger on me. And if you, if you get a guy who's like a snuggler, 
we, we, we can't do it. It won't work. It will and I am a smuggler. So when I met him, he was not. <laughs> in, our, in our room, so this was pre-divorce, in our room, I had like babies and children to look after. Like fuck making the bed was the last thing on my list. Like plus depression and postpartum depression. So the fact that I'm even upright, you should be fucking pleased. But he had this thing that he always wanted the bed made, but I never made the bed. What the fuck? I'm just going to get back into it. What the fuck would I do? Why? Or make the bed yourself. What the hell's about? Yeah. Oh, no, no. Have I not told you this story? He used to only make his half of the bed. What? This was the passive aggressive bullshit. That is the height of passive aggressive bedroom behavior. That's not even passive. Half of the bed? That's just narcissism. That's he's a psychopath. What kind of a psychopath does that? So so he did it a couple times and then I just fucking unmade it. (laughs) Walk into the bedroom and unmake it. Now, now, seven years, he's been gone almost eight now. Actually, it's probably eight coming up totally, yeah coming up. um i make my bed every day <laughs> so, so that that is some revenge bullshit that's your, <laughs> that's yeah. revenge. oh oh you're not here oh you want the bed made okay now the bed is made let me make yeah. the bed let me clean it up it looks all nice and the cats love it open up i am, I am dying to ask my ex-husband's new wife and I still call her new, even though I've been married for years and years. Second wife. Does he still do that same fucking bullshit with the bed sheets that he used to do? Because he had this way of sleeping. I don't know what kind of demons he was fighting every single goddamn night, but the sheets would pop off the corners of the bed. So every single the morning. Fitted sheet? Yes. The fitted sheets would pop off the bed because. I don't know if he would like grab them and wrestle them. And I would, I've even accused him of doing it on purpose. <laughs> I've accused him of doing it on purpose, but that, so then you, you actually, no matter how busy or stressed or harassed I was, I felt compelled to make the bed because I could not bear the sight of the bear, the bear mattress on his side, yeah. only on his side of the bed, the, yeah, the mattress sheets would be full. And you know, what's funny is two of my sons sleep like that too. I constantly I go in the room I'm like why are the sheets off what are you doing in this bed <laughs> that makes the sheets go off the corners of the bed and so I would have to like at least pull the sheets on and then I would be like well I might as well fix the things and whatever but I mean I have a certain standard of my bed is unmade today but you can't see it listeners but it is like those are my summer sheets they're white and they're beautiful and glorious and I love them so much but don't come into my bed if you have not bathed. He, you, this was a big problem with me and my husband too. He had a very dirty physical job, right? And yep. this guy would bathe every morning. He was a very clean person. He would bathe every morning and go to work, like fresh, clean for his customers. Yes. Come home, gross, plop into bed with his uniform on. And then like, just like snort and throw them off and sleep in his underwear on the bed. And then I was supposed to go into that bed and, and be romantic with you. No. How do you have no, 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 no. <laughs> At least make yourself nice for me. No, 
I was supposed to just like take him, take him as he was. <laughs> nah, nope, not gonna happen. <laughs> and then you'd wake happen. up at four o'clock in the morning, and I'd be like, "That better be your finger." <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh shit, that's funny. oh my god, that that sunrise poke. No, I'm going somewhere else where the internet is better. My Grammy used to say, don't um, waste the morning wood. She considered it a waste to not use that morning poke. Who, who said grandma. that? My grandmother. Some Grammy advice there for you. Don't waste the morning wood. Put that on the t-shirt. Um. Can I cut out for a second? Because it said that my internet was stable, but I really don't want to leave this room. No, no, you you were fine. You was froze, it? but your sound. Okay, all right. Your voice still came through just fine. Okay, keep talking. I'm just going to grab Ziggy because she ran out. So I'll tell you, I went to see a client who had this, this struggle. So I went to their apartment and um, they have a two-bedroom apartment. And I just assumed... That one was going to be, you know, one was a guest room and one was their room type thing. But when I got there, um, this was our second meeting before having the baby. She was quite upset. And I, I, you know, talked to her about what was going on and it took a little bit, but she finally shared with me that she was very upset about giving up her bedroom. Um, and I'm, I'm like, well, what do you mean giving up your bedroom? She's like, I sleep in that room. And he sleeps in that room. And I, I said, okay. And from the beginning of their marriage, she's like, what am I supposed to do? Just go to bed and someone's in my bed? And this was, she was someone's, genuinely upset. Someone's in my bed. Respect. Yes, someone is in my bed. There's a man in my bed in the space I'm going to sleep in. Mm -hmm. um, and she, for her, it, it felt like a violation, like her sleeping space needed to be her space. Um, I and, totally uh, get hold, that. On, hold on. So they, they gave the baby its own room and the two big adults squished up into one bedroom. Yes. There's I, I just shared a room with the baby. Thank you very much. Yes. There's so, another way to do it. <laughs> that is what ended up happening. I suggested they get a day bed for the baby's room. I said, you know, I just want to crawl it to, you know, something you can lay down and nurse the baby in and there because they're culturally speaking they did not want the baby in the room with them even when I just tried to discuss the baby sleeping sleeping in their bedroom with them it was just no 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 you know the baby needs their own space um his mother had said that that's anybody the way it should be the, baby. so, yeah. the baby's <laughs> like I don't want my own damn space that's right the baby's like I don't want my own space Actually, I want as little space as possible, if the truth be told. Yeah. Or, or, I want to be I, on you. Um, bassinets have wheels these days. Yeah. And they're portable. So the mind so happens when I said, how and about push the baby right into dad's room? Yeah. Well, I, I said, well, why don't, instead of the baby coming into your room, why don't we just, can you set up a, a day bed that the baby will grow into so you can sleep in the baby's room so you don't have to go back and forth? And for some reason, that connected and made sense. And I think she saw what I was offering here was creating her own space with the baby, which is what she wanted. Um, this, this suggestion came from his mother that the baby should not be in the room with them. Um, and Dis so that's despite everything, you know, Health Canada and every pediatric society says about that. Okay, yeah, all right. That's let's go with, let's go with what the mother-in-law says. Check the baby's innocence from the den of iniquity. 
Well, cause it's, yeah. a room, it's a room where people may have sex in. So let's not have children around. Never mind that. That's how they came to be is through sex. They were there when the sex originally <laughs> happened. They were there. <laughs> They're the product of sex. <laughs> All of us are the product of sex. It all boiled down to somebody had sex once upon a time. Um, so. Not all of us are a product of sex, though. In this group. In this group, <laughs> yeah. This is true. This is but, true. Uh, it ended up working out. She was very happy to go order a day bed from Ikea and sleep in that room with the baby at first so that she wasn't quite so tired afterwards. And But yeah, the, the distress was real. Um, she had, you know, she'd come here from, from her country. She'd come to Canada to be with her husband. And um, I guess had been promised that those boundaries would be respected, but when they decided to have a baby, that changed apparently. But having the David in there was acceptable, so ended up working. But yeah, the I get it. Place. I 100% get it. I think I've told you guys before that one of my favorite episodes of the Cosby Show was the episode where Mrs. Cosby, I forget her name, Claire, 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 Claire Huxtable. When Claire Huxtable, she insisted on having a room of her own and they somehow found somewhere in that house of theirs to get her space that was just her. And the idea of that blew my mind. And I carried that idea with me all through my times when I, I was in my marriage with all these little kids all over me and nowhere in that house was mine, except like the corner of the couch where I would sit and read every day that was it that was the only place I could and I would fantasize and dream and fantasize and dream and design and build in my head this room of my own and what it looked like yeah That's and now I have it <laughs> when uh when my brother moved out I moved into his room which was in the basement and then my dad promptly moved into my old room that was period like that was just the way okay. it was going to be yep yep Got it. Should we do a land acknowledgement? Oh, yes. Yes, please. Let us do this thing. So I'm going to read the land acknowledgement today. So um, we, the Pragmatic Doulas, acknowledge that uh, we make this podcast. We run our businesses, raise our families, and live our lives on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and that this land is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. The City of Toronto also acknowledges that this area is covered by Treaty 13, and it's signed by the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Williams Treaties, and signed by multiple Mississaugas and Chippewa bands. Reading a land acknowledgement, is a very small gesture towards reconciliation. It's a wake up call. There is a history and a presence to the land that we need to be made aware of. It is also a call to action. And we all need to ask ourselves where and how we can learn more. And it is also a call to reflection. What does this land acknowledgement mean for how I behave? Who do I consult and who do I consider when I do my work, when I live my life? So there you go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So do we, we have a topic today, don't we? We always have a topic. We are organized, aren't we? For that last, for that last third of our 
podcast. Yeah, we have a topic. <laughs> We've been planning. We've been planning ahead of time. We've got lists, right? Oh my God. (laughs) You need to be impressed, listeners, that we are planning things for you to listen to in a very organized fashion. No longer Hmm. when we record at 10, 10 10.30, do we say at 9.45, what the fuck are we talking about today? What are we talking about today? Let's just pull something out of our ass. Yeah. Yeah. Right now. I mean, it sounds like that's what we're doing. However, that is not what is happening. For you, we will have you know, we want it to sound like that. That is our plan. That is our intention for everything to sound unscripted and casual. That's right. If you want a script, if you want scripted, you can listen to my podcast. That's what I was say. Go over to Birth and Parenty Things or Parenty and Birth. <laughs> Birth and parenty things. Birth and parenty things. You'll get scripts there. Also, if you want soothing, melodious voices. You'll also get that at birth and parenty things as well. You can get that there because Kim has, Kim puts on her NPR voice when she's, when she's um, doing that podcast. And then Not can- next week though. I have such a rant. <laughs> so I'm ranty these oh days. My God. <laughs> Bring it. Like you're going to be speaking for the whole world because- I'm gonna, in fact, I'm going to record it before I actually do the, I'm going to record my rant before I actually do the podcast because it's in my head right now. Oh, I hate people. God. Excellent. I hate people. Right. So. I just hate everybody. Um, I don't know if I hate people. No, I, I think hate I just hate everybody. I mean, I respect that. I really do. I'm trying to think where I fall on that spectrum. I don't think I hate, I might hate people. I'm, I'm undecided. I might there dislike are people, people a I whole like. lot. I think that might be. There's people I like. Yeah. The vast majority of humans on this planet, not a huge fan of. You know, I have a lot of people in my neighborhood and when I go for my walks, with the dog in the morning, especially in the early morning, there are, there's, there's the guy who, I don't know if anybody's ever, uh, there's a, there's an an elderly Sikh man who ran the oldest person to run the Scotiabank marathon or something like that. He was like 90 years old. I can't remember, but like super old. And he ran the marathon. He lives in my neighborhood and he's walking every single day. This guy's like 96, 97 years old. And he is speed walking every day. And he weighs the best. <laughs> yeah. Then there's another woman who has like a training thing. She walks backwards. She walks backwards all along the path. And, and she nods at me as I pass by. And then there's this older Italian man who is absolutely, I love this guy so much. Every, no matter what the weather, he, he throws his arms out and looks up to the sky and, and says to me like, look at this. Can you believe this? It's beautiful. Have a good day. And he, he speed walks off. Uh, if he's driving some. Uh-oh. Well, if he's on the other side of the road, he will. Am I fading out? Is my No, audio... no, you're good. You're good now. He'll do a U-turn so that he can hail me up and, and tell me what a great day it is. If it's raining, rain, sleet, snow, whatever, it's a glorious day. Love that guy. So I really, really do love those old people. Okay. In my and that I respect. And yes. I would be, if I had those people in my neighborhood, I'd be like all there. I'd be all there. Yep. 
Yeah. And, and actually, I don't know anybody in my neighborhood. <laughs> I never leave the house. So it's not people in my neighborhood. It's yeah, people just in general, the world, people, over. the mm -hmm. people out there that are so mm. stupidly selfish and annoying and shut the fuck up. Just fucking stay home and shut, shut the fuck up. Oh, oh is there an Amber Alert? We're getting an Amber Alert. Oh, yeah. Okay. At home order. Only leave home That's for it. essential purposes such as food, health care, vaccine, exercise, or work. It's the law. Stay home. Save lives. See? Why are they using that system? Yeah, they're using the emergency alert. I thought it was only for Amber Alerts, but this isn't the first time that they've done that. No, no, no. It's no, it's not. not. They did it at the beginning. Yeah. But there's people, so... I'll rant here for a second. There is, um, so I guess they've actually, with the big box stores, they've actually closed down the areas in, say, Walmart, where you can get, like, toys and, you know, other stuff. Only, you're only allowed to get food and, and essentials. So yeah. there's this woman on um, the, some stupid mom group I'm on. Why the fuck am I on these fucking groups? Um, and they're like, but I know what if I need a birthday card fucking make one <laughs> fucking make one send him all my cake. card bake Start your cake order from fucking Amazon I don't care go to shopper's drug mart <laughs> oh no no like they're like everything's like supposed to be like if it's not essential you cannot purchase it <clears throat> Shoppers, that's actually, that's a good thought because shoppers has, that will be awkward for shoppers because the, the greeting card section is at the one end of like the cold and cough remedy section. So yes, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to, how they're going to do that. I mean, I I think there's a space between. I don't think they are. They, nothing was looped off today. And I, no. I went into shoppers to get those antacids for my kid no. and, uh, We'll see if that changes. Digestive enzymes, but there was nothing roughed off in there. Everything was from groceries to meds to makeup. Everything was still open. Okay. Either way, the point of my rant is fucking deal with shit. Okay. Fuck. Yeah, fuck it's off. Not, not. It's not really that. The things that people are. Somebody. I heard somebody say. Somebody who we all know. Who I'm not going to mention. That how how much more of my values do I have to compromise for this? So then my question was, what values have you compromised? Yeah, no during... Because as a matter of fact, I have a feeling that this whole year has kind of distilled my values down to my like core values. Yeah. So a value of mine might've been, well, I need to get a manicure and a pedicure every month. That might've been a value I had before, but I have since realized, hey, I guess that's not such a core value. My value is keeping my family safe and keep trying to find ways to keep connections with my extended family. That's a value of mine. Um, making sure that I move my body and get fresh air and sunshine every day. So I go for walks. My, my value is still meat of the values. So, so the values that I've given up, like having a manicure or pedicure every month or a haircut every three months or whatever, are values that are, kind of weakish values like yeah. value 
small font, not like big giant value. So I was curious to know, they didn't answer the question. They didn't answer the question. How because many they how can't. Many part of my values am I gonna have to give up? And listen, I am open to everybody's feelings in response to this thing. I really am. Sure. But some people's response has me raising an eyebrow because I really want to know. What do you mean when you say your value, you've given up so much of your values? What do you mean by that? Because people talk about their kids' mental health. School, if you're, and I understand socialization and so on, and people freaking out about kids falling behind academically and so on. The mental health of our children is absolutely a value. Let's all work together then to find out how to keep that okay and keep it good. And that means we might have to, let go of this whole, oh my gosh, how are they gonna learn calculus this year? Maybe we need to drop that value. If it was a value before, it's not a value now. The mental and physical health of our children and families is paramount right now. Let's talk about how we're gonna do that. And they're not falling behind. If everybody else is falling behind as well. The behind has moved. Yes, yes. So I think, I don't know, I just, Sometimes I'm just like, what do you mean by that? What is that? What is that about when you talk about how much more am I going to give up in my life? I, I don't look. I I haven't had a haircut in it over a year now. My hair is so heavy. My neck hates me. Okay. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. haven't had a manicure in over a year. I haven't even shaved my legs in over a year. I don't Mm -hmm. care. Because maybe it was a value before. Maybe it was a value before. It's not now. My value now is keeping those humans upstairs as safe as possible. Yeah. And that means different things. And I am, I am now realizing that it means different things to different people. 100%. Place a lot of weight on things that I don't place a lot of weight on and vice versa. And I get that. And that's okay. Cause we're all different and so on, but I'm very curious to hear, but I don't, when people just throw those things out, like how many more of my values am I going to have to give up? I, w- I really actually want to know it's because their I really value- know if I'm missing something. It's their value on consumerism. Let, let's, let's pare it right down because a, we're talking about people that can't go to Walmart and spend money. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, if they have to go to Walmart and they're going there to grocery shop because it's cheaper, I'm 100% there. I, I get that. Okay. But if you're complaining because you can't buy a toy for your child, if you're complaining because you can't buy new shoes, if you're complaining because you can't buy new clothing because the spring is coming, that's consumerism. And that's what is being whittled away right now. But let's think about it. Is there a small business in your neighborhood that you can go to, that you can do curbside pickup for? Is there a small business in your neighborhood that really needs your help? Walmart doesn't need your help. Fuck them, okay? But the what Walters about- are gonna come out of just fine. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. My, so last week was um, uh, Good Friday and my son works in a fish and chip shop, okay? so a stupid ridiculous amount of people (laughs) they didn't have sit-in because it's even though I think it might have been possible at that point um, they're not they're not comfortable in doing that so it's only ever takeout and they had pre-orders and stuff like that we're in the middle of a pandemic and there were still people that complained 
about the fish and chips that the fish was too thin or they had to wait, you know, this much time, blah, blah, blah. They literally sold just halibut alone, a thousand pieces of halibut in, in like an eight hour period. Whoa. So, and that's just the halibut. So that doesn't include all the other fish that they sell too. And you're complaining mm -hmm. for one, one little thing. Okay. We're talking about a small business in the middle of a pandemic, trying to do the best they can. On a holiday weekend. On a holiday fucking weekend. On a day when everybody on the planet orders fucking fish and chips. Sit your ass down. You're, sit down. I can't even. Well, I don't like those people. I don't like those. Th those are people I hate. That's, that's These are the people in your neighborhood that you hate a lot. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's true. Because when, when life is going well, we have room and space to add the things that really and truly are extra that are not essential for life. And what I think that our very privileged society has lost is the ability to rein it in. Mm -hmm. When things are not going well, you've got to like I use the word distill a lot, distill it down, distill your life down to the bare necessities. Mm -hmm. We all have food. Well, when I say we all, I'm talking to us and the people who are listening to us. I bet you all have food. We have food, most of us in this city, 24 seven available to us, all kinds of food from all over the world, all times of the year. There's no such thing as seasonal restrictions. I can get strawberries in February if I want. Which, because strawberries don't grow in Toronto in February, by the way. But I, if I want strawberries, I can get strawberries. So all our food things are open. I can get my medication refilled. Um, those are the big things that are important to me. And as long as those things to me are safe, I don't feel, I'm not, I'm not scared, panicky, worried uh, about that everything's going to collapse. I'm not worried and scared and freaking out about my civil liberties or my freedom because my government is what how they're yeah. fucking up, how they're fucking up we'll <laughs> talk about that in another podcast but so far nobody mr ford has not said that i cannot go get my groceries uh -huh. or my medication or that he's going to take away anything from me that's going to keep me and my family now mind you again it's another i'm going to say there's another issue where they're not doing enough to help people who are even more vulnerable than I am yeah. or people who are marginalized and so on. That's a whole other thing. The people who are complaining though are not the people who are unhoused right. or who need the food banks. Those are not the people who are screeching on social media about their values being compromised and so on. That's not, that's not. it's people like me and people who are even more privileged than me who are complaining. And I just I'm bewildered because because it's drastic times called for drastic measures how how do people not get that so so I heard um when the list of you know what you could and couldn't do and whatnot came out and then at the bottom it says the homeless are not this this doesn't affect the homeless like they can they don't have these restrictions and then some person was like ah, but it doesn't affect the homeless just us. Are you fucking kidding me? Yes. You fucking kidding me. Yeah. Who is? God damn it. Are you fucking people. 
kidding me? Just, just think, like, take your thoughts and just move them a little bit over. Like, did when when you said it out loud, did any of it come back at you and go, oh, that doesn't sound right? Like, any of it? Yeah. And it's funny. So my kid is in, my kid's in virtual school, but she's not, I didn't realize that this was the way it was going to be. She's in virtual school for a particular class, but her classmates are not from her school necessarily. They're from all over the TDSB. Yes, yes, yes. That's how it works. Yeah. So she's got people in like the Rouge and uh, Forest Hill and all the, and they're talking, they're talking about marketing and things like that. And it's like, she comes down and she goes, how stupid are these people? Like, we're talking about people that have money and, and she's like, they don't get it. Like what they're talking about X, Y, Z. And it's like, no, like I'm not, what Mm -hmm. were they talking about? Oh, they were saying, you know, who are RESPs marketed to? And one person was like, well, it's really only marketed to uh, high, uh, high income people. And my daughter's like, well, no, (laughs) like we're not, I'm like low to middle class and we're not. We have RESPs. People with money don't need RESPs. 100%. Well, no. They think their whole idea was that people that were low income were homeless, basically. If you had a low income, you were homeless and you didn't have any money whatsoever. Yeah. That's a range. They don't have, they don't, they're not aware of the subtlety or the nuance. No social economic levels and oh for those who don't know RESP is registered education savings plan Uh, um so people pay a little bit of money towards their kids uh universe post-secondary education that's what it is for like people in the states who don't know what that is and if you are rich you just simply write a check for your tuition (laughs) and upkeep during the years that they're in university or college so yeah it's actually low to middle income people who need RESPs need to save for 20 years so that your kid can get an undergraduate degree yeah yeah and they didn't even realize like there was there was so much that they didn't realize that the government gave money to a lot of different people, not just yeah. those that were unhoused. Yeah. Like, I, who, like, this is, that's like the next generation of people and they don't understand any of it. Mm-hmm. It kind of made me think bringing it back to birth work, which is that what this podcast is about? Oh, right. Yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> people who, are still and I thought this argument was over about whether doulas are essential and whether it's it's a violation of human rights for a woman this was on a on a somebody's uh, Instagram thing for a woman to not have the choice of two support people only being forced to have one support person instead of two because doulas are essential and it's a violation of their human rights and then I said no it's not human having two support people. So we're not talking about somebody birthing alone. Okay. Yep. We're talking about the difference between having one or two support people. That was the argument. Like how, who do they think they are allowing a woman to only have one support person at, during her birth? Um, and so my argument was that it's not a violation of human rights for God's sake, 
for somebody to not be able to have two support people. Because even at the best of times, many, many, many people cannot afford a doula. Exactly. So many people can't, and I will, lots of people can't afford me. My own um, rates are too high for a vast amount of people. So am I, are we violating people's human rights? Are doulas violating people's human rights by pricing our services out of the realm of people? So who do we think we are by doing that? And, and are we doing a disservice to people who cannot afford full price doula services? So if that's not a question, if that is not a conversation that we're having, then why are we saying that people who cannot have their doulas and their partners is a viol- at their birth is a violation of human rights? Then we have been violating human rights since the beginning. Because if go. I'm charging thirteen to $1,500 for full service uh, birth support, I'm violating human rights because people can't afford that. Yep. So how do you, how do you, how's that double speak? How do you reconcile that double speak? You know what I mean? And that's what can't, but you know, there's only so much arguing you can do with somebody on Instagram, especially on <laughs> or a Facebook on, yeah, or Twitter or whatever. So this person on Instagram who said that is very well known. It's a very well known, like she, they have a lot of followers and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, all of her people were piling on me because people tend to follow who they agree with right so it's like that thing that happened with jan arden i said something in opposition to what jan arden said and all of her fans piled on me so it was kind of like that just to a lesser degree so i just said all right y'all go on crying about doulas being essential and violation of human rights and i'll just keep worrying about the people with no clean water and <laughs> and no access to education because they're female that yeah. that those are those are human and, rights violations. yeah and and if we're talking about you know birth and reproductive you know those that are being you know forcibly sterilized you know so they won't have other children and you know all this other bullshit because those you know they're they're the lesser of the human rights am i right yeah. right right up there with not being able to have two people yeah. in your big inner city hospital with all the modern amenities technologies and sanitation in the possible in the world exactly oh so, <laughs> please count your privilege screaming for god's sake because oh. essential anyway. human and human rights are two very different things i yes. think doulas as are not even as i wouldn't say they're essential to a positive birth experience because we can have a positive birth experience just by ourselves or just with a partner um no one's saying we are not of value no one no one is saying that we don't create a good difference no one is saying we can't create a positive oh no 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 like there's so much right now do i think we would positively impact I'm going to have to do some editing. If we could find a way to work with hospitals, because the doulas being present were a human right outside of the pandemic, we would have been fighting with the government to get our services covered without a pandemic. I'm all for that. Let me tell you, I, I think that everyone deserves access to that, but trying to, I mean, it, the, the steps to getting recognized to getting funding to getting families be allowed to i mean we can we can 
even making it a tax write-off, something that makes it more available to families. You know, I think that we can require that. But right now in the middle of the pandemic, a human right, we, we have a right to not have a traumatic birth. We do. To not be obliterated, to not, to not experience violence. Yes. Yes. We, we have a right to not be violated, but a doula is not necessarily going to be that only one thing. We do have a right to a, a, an, a, an advocate, a patient advocate. If you are being bullied, if you are being forced into something, coerced into something, having things done to your body without your permission before you even get to your birth, then yeah, we got to talk to that patient advocate and let them know that we're on top of that. Um, but do parents even know that, that they can do that? That's a whole other kettle of fish, right? Um, I, I know that a lot of uh, some of the birth trauma groups have opened it up to families who are going into their birth, um, who are having concerns. So they're actually able to get those resources out to people because, you know, the person who's creating the violence for you at your prenatal appointments and stuff like that is not going to be the person to say, well, if you're not happy with this care, why don't you go talk to the patient advocate? Um, they're like, no, well, if you can't work with me, then maybe we'll drop you. And that's a lovely threat too. But it, human right is very different than essential. Human right is very different than saying we don't make a difference or can't make a difference, you know? But and values are not the same as human rights either. So we can, not the same agree, we can all agree as a profession and as a society about the value of continuous labor support, about the value of prenatal education, and the value of patient advocacy in hospitals and access to that patient advocacy. We can all agree on those values, how those are applied, how they manifest, how they unfold can be many different ways. Doulas are one, one source of support, education and advocacy. Well, we're not the only ones. Partners can do it too. Mm -hmm. uh, hospitals, if hospitals upheld those values supremely, hospitals would have those things in place, which would eventually render us <laughs> not, not necessarily necessary. But if those, we can all agree on those values, but those things can come about in different ways. And we offer those things and we're only one way of those things being applied. Right. And and, and I, sorry, go ahead, Kim. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, there's, you know, we've seen discussion on, you know, Canadian, Ontario doula message boards and whatnot about, you know, going in and, you know, fighting with the hospitals and, you know, demanding to get in and all of this stuff. And it's like, okay, you got to hold on a second here because, Right now in Ontario, we've got more than 3,000 cases a day. Hospitals are overwhelmed with patients. ICUs are being set up for adults in Toronto sick kids. This is how bad it's gotten. So yeah, do, do I want doulas back into a hospital? Of course I do. Yes. Of course I do. I 100% advocate for that. But let's be honest, people, you cannot go in at this moment in time, like a bull in a china shop, or the hospital is just going to be fuck all of y'all. You're not coming in ever again. Ever. Have a nice day. Because Please. they can do that. They yes. it, that is their yes. business. And they can do that. And you can go to the government and you can write your placards and you can march on, you know, Capitol Hill or whatever the hell you want to do. But the hospitals are going to go, nope, we're we, going to make we an all, argument. 
we all know somebody right now who needs cancer surgery and that cancer surgery has been um, uh, postponed. Mm-hmm. The it was rescheduled. It was just rescheduled. Oh, yes. 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 She, she, she got the, them. That's the bullshit that people are having to go through yep. because of because of this capacity. Listen, here's the other perspective. We always love to say this. We always love to say that um, people in labor, people who are giving birth are the only admitted patients in a hospital who are not sick per se. Mm-hmm. They're not sick. Everywhere else in the hospital, anybody who's admitted to the hospital is sick or injured in some way. And so at this point, when we are dealing with a virus that is making people sick, that is actually killing people, the hospital has got to focus on the sick people. Yep. That's another thing. So how how is it conscionable for birth workers to be rallying and advocating for our presence inside of institutions that we have in the past always talked about how we're the only ones who are not sick here. The hospital is for sick people. That's what we say. We're, the hospital is for sick people. People who choose to give birth there, it's for their own reasons. Um, you're the only ones who are not sick there. Now, at this point in time, in the season of stress, the hospital's got to focus on the sick people, not just the COVID people, but the other people who, who need cancer surgery, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So from the hospital's point of view, you know what? Second support people is so far down the list that I can't, I can't imagine that being anywhere on the agenda on any hospital board administrative discussion at all. It's going to keep getting tabled and tabled and tabled and it might do us well to figure out another way yes to serve our communities yes and i mean which is going to require unity and and creativity but i think in my mind let's just leave the hospitals alone for a second to deal with the fucking crazy ass shit they're dealing with and let's figure out as birth workers another way there are people in hospitals that are dying and can't have their people come in yeah, that's another, yeah. I mean, come on. That's where, that's where the focus needs to be. Not, yeah. not someone having a second support person. Yeah, because the first one support person is allowed. Yeah, it's not like they're saying, no, you have to birth alone. Yeah. Then I'd be like, well, wait, hold up a damn minute here. Yeah, then, then I could understand a little bit of push because then that's, it's in the face of that whole idea of continuous labor support being a value. not just a value, but right. like where we have not, if we think about the trauma that could be created, we have not been raised in a culture that sees people laboring solo. We, we don't know how to value. I think as, as a pregnant person, we really, they don't know how to value that or how to feel safe in that. Um, especially, I know I've, I've been to a, a couple of births in hospital since all of this started and the staff are because in order to keep those distances, they are not in the room half as much as they were before. And they weren't in the room a lot before. Yeah. Um, so you are literally alone. Mm-hmm. Just that's it. Um, there is not much in and out. They're trying to keep exposures down. They're trying to keep everything down. And so you're alone. So I think that that, yeah, like you said, Kim, if they were went down to no, you can't have anyone, I would definitely, that's where I might be a little more loud and say, we're going to create traumas we can't fix mm-hmm. because that everyone is just left alone and we don't need that if we're not seeing that that's where transmission is happening then we don't need that that's really and th- i think this is a part of everybody's pushback right now in this moment it feels like we're doing 
a, a more of the same that didn't create the change we wanted. Now, what has been added this time around outside of Berthy stuff is that they finally added these mobile units to go to the distribution centers. So that, but I mean, these are happening because people aren't leaving their distribution center um, jobs to go get tested or to go get their vaccination because if you leave it, you don't get paid, you know? So in order now people can have it done on site and the companies should have set this up ahead of time. They, they should have- testing or are you talking about vaccines? I'm talking both testing and vaccines. If people weren't feeling well, they would, because they didn't want to miss work because you're not getting paid for sick days. You don't get, go get tested. You, you know, try and suppress your, your symptoms and then you just keep going. Yeah. Um, you know, it, uh, it was, it's ridiculous. It's, we were not supporting the very people who needed the support. When we talk about vulnerable people in, in, you know, close settings at work, we're the most vulnerable, the people who are getting us our food, the people who are, you know, we have right now, the summer, spring is here. We've got people coming in um, from abroad to help us with all of our farming. Those people live in congregate settings. They need the vaccine the minute they get here. If, right. if they're choosing to have the vaccine, they need to have testing in place. They need to have things in place that keep that workspace safe for everyone so it can keep going. Absolutely. And what I wish for the birth worker doula community in this province in Ontario is that we somehow, listen, as a friggin', as a, a woman of color, as a member of a visible minority group, this is what we've had to do lots and lots of times for different reasons, for being locked out, for, for uh, conscious reasons of avoiding discrimination or whatever. You do your own shit. You figure out your own way. You cut your own path through the jungle. You hunker down and you pivot and you turn your back on what's happening all around and you figure out a way to do the thing that you need to do, that you love to do without the supports of traditional institutions, etc. That's what we need to do. We need to figure out as doulas, how do we provide support, education, guidance, and advocacy for parents for new parents and new families outside of our presence in hospitals how do we do that and it's totally possible because individual doulas are doing it i'm doing it i'm doing it Girl, yeah together though as a community of birth workers provincially that is what we need to we need to start seeing trainings for virtual support more like like I said, individuals duels are doing it, but I don't. I see still everybody kind of holding their breath, still waiting to get let back into hospitals. We need to. And see it's not about waiting, you know. It's about, you know, we we want to help. It's generally yeah. what all duels want to do, right? We want to be helpers in whatever capacity we can for our families. How can we also help in the community? And um, you know, most of us that's around both in birth and postpartum work. Yes. So I think it's absolutely worth it to reach out and create the connection. Not like you said, we're, we don't want to be a bull in a China shop. There's no need for that. No one needs that level of stress right now. If anyone came for me with a bull in the China shop, I'm going to get you to change your mind idea right now. I would just, I'd have to opt them out of my life at this time. However, if someone came to me and said, we want to help here's, and we can collect our own information. So there are hospitals such as Mark Stovell, Burlington and stuff who from the beginning, that was part of the conversation. 
Um, granted, it was led by the midwifery unit who said, we value this service. We want it to be safe for the patients and for the clients. Um, what do we need to make that work? And how can we track the numbers? So they made it part of their system from the get-go with the agreement that if those numbers started to show any indication that a third person there was creating a problem, like in, in numbers, then that would be out, you know? But we can take that information and share it. And when the hospital has the resources to say, hey, this helper has these numbers, should we consider how can we apply it here in our hospital situation where it feels safe for the doulas, where it feels safe for the hospital, where it feels safe for the parents? When they're ready, it's like, a, you know, making a connection of communication. You know, we're a resource for you. We're a resource for the clients. How can we best help you? Because I know a lot of these nurses don't want to be out of the room. They want to be in there with families too, but they can't. They can't do the job they want to do because I of COVID. Get, I get that there will, and there is a contingent, I mean, full transparency. Stephanie is a member of the the AO, the Association of Ontario Doulas, which are, is our provincial member doula organization in Ontario. And I know that the AOD is, that's one of their sort of projects right now is, is slowly trying to, to engage hospitals. I would not say that you guys are a bull in a China shop, China shop. I would say that you guys are slowly trying to engage hospitals. I get it. I understand that. However, at the same time, what we also know is that there's only so much energy to go around. And uh -huh. especially during these days, energy is so, so scarce. Ener energy, motivation, inspiration. It, people are struggling through um, family issues, crises, personal, physical issues and traumas, uh, groups like small groups, collectives, they're all trying to find their way through. There is only so much energy to go around and we have to be so, so, so conscious of where we're putting our energies. And I I'm not saying that that is not important at all, but I'm saying that when we're looking at like a small bowl full of energy, that it has to be like a mindful and conscious choice about where we're going to put that energy. My personal wish and hope is that we put it towards um unifying doulas around how how are we going to do our work in in the face of all of this that's what and that, i love that and i don't have answers i'm just saying i think that that's 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 where our our energies i wish that that was where all of our energies because we could do amazing things imagine we could do amazing things if only one third of the duels in this province got together and put our brains together towards that. It, we would we would solve this problem. And that's where it stands. Like the way you just put it, and I put this out here to all doulas who may be listening. And I know that a lot of our doulas from the states are back in hospital already. Um, you know, there, there's so much variability down here, down there, whereas up here, it was quite across the board where there wasn't a pre-existing system for something like this, or somebody who had the resources to put the system into place where doulas were still welcome and with very strict contingents and PPE, um, to the level that the hospitals were, were comfortable with for us to interact with clients, but, um, it's that energy. So there are many who want us to bull in a china shop when i say us i mean the aod 
um, or they want every doula, forget AOD, they want every doula to be a bull in a china shop and we're going to enforce that we must be in there. But that energy, that the energy, I don't have that energy. The energy I do have and I can always make space for is communication, mm-hmm. is extending a, in this situation, this very specific situation, how can we work together for those who feel comfortable moving into that hospital space um, or even outside of that hospital space, how, what do you need to know from us that we can get, that we can gather because we have that emotional space that would make you comfortable with this. Um, and then back to the doulas too. Are you somebody who wants to be part of that good energy of make, making connections and making phone calls and um, talking to finding out how we can be of service and of help or do you need it on the other side and you want to find out how you can be of service in the virtual world, supporting other doulas, training other doulas, um, or are you completely out of it until all of this is passed? And that's okay too, you know? Um, there, there are things in place right now. I know CERB is not the be all end all. It does not help people match their missed income. I totally get that. Um, but yeah, so there, I think there needs to be resources, like you were saying, Suzanne, that help people make income now while we can't be doing that birth work and where, or someone might not be comfortable doing their postpartum work. We need to have resources for doulas to feel really secure in doing that virtual work. Um, but yeah, that energy, no matter what you do, I encourage you to drop, drop the anger, mm-hmm. drop the suddenness, the need, you know what? Okay, so in my uh, racialized, um, breaking down racialized barriers uh, with uh, Done for Didi, Didi Delgado, in my course, there's something called white urgency. I never knew what the fuck this was called before. And it's, it's basically- Is our that what all the Facebook do. moms are doing? It's white <laughs> urgency? It is. And it's, it is our known right for our things to be addressed right away. If we think it's a concern, it should be addressed right away. Um, and we are not comfortable when things have to be slowed down, looked at a little bit deeper, not that you stop what your objective is, but that you slow down you look a little deeper, you look around to see who might be caught in that whirlwind with you um, and then gather the people who will help you, you know, slowly. Yes. 100%. Yes, if white people say it's an issue, it becomes an issue. So you know how we're, we were first taught this before the, before the topic itself came up is it starts at seven, right? The, the course starts at seven. And so all of us show up at seven on our Zoom call. And initially we weren't being let in. And so of course we go over to the Done for Didi um, uh, website page and the collective, the white collective. Um, and everyone's like, are you in the meeting? Has the meeting started yet? Or um, maybe the link is wrong and it blew up. And this is how we were first taught about white urgency. Take a step back. But of course our concern is that also we would be seen a certain way. And um, we didn't want to obviously waste any of our instructors time by not being in the room. Um, so that, that urgency that builds up in us to not be what people expect us to be. Um, and particularly in white women who have been taught there's only one way to be a good white woman, 
and that's to you know be on time and Listen, to 30% Scottish blood shows up that way that is how it manifests because I am obsessed with punctuality and being on time I feel such anxiety if I'm if I even suspect that I'm going to be late for something it's that's real. right it's uh, I, it used, is I used to 100% be that way whereas nowadays I'm like let's just wait and see let's just see what happens I just so want this, to see how things are going to go I don't mind waiting this course actually started out by talking about that. That's very interesting. Yeah, it's it's one of one of the oppressive things that were put on us were um, schedules that didn't allow for humanity, that didn't allow for I'm ready to let you into my space. Um, waiting is just not a white thing, and we've been taught, especially as women in particular, that we um, we have failed if we are late. We have. Um, we are less than we are to be judged and we should be judged. Um, I'm totally, I'm totally dealing with that energy with my uncle yeah. and my mother. Like they're like, no, it has to be, we have to do, <laughs> can you just, and they're a product of that too. 100%. And I'm just like, you know what? We'll get there. It's all good. Everything will work out. It's all fine. And granted, it took me a long time to get to this point, but yeah, I can't, my brain wants to explode every time it happens. I'm like, Jesus, fuck. And of course I complained to my mother about my uncle and then she's like, she'll do the exact same thing. She's like, oh my God. Yeah. He's so blood. And then she'll do the exact same thing. I'm like, mom, you get your like the exact same way. Right. Like, do you understand that? the habit of saying to people, I need this done yesterday, or this should have been done by now. Like that when you, when we're setting people up, basically setting people up for failure, then those messages like this should have been done yesterday, or you hand someone an assignment and say, I needed this done yesterday. It creates that urgency and it's socially accepted to create urgency in other people, as opposed to inviting they them They only were to, good under pressure. <laughs> yeah. That's white urgency. It's also patriarchal urgency because that's, that's, a, ver that's a very male uh, patriarchal approach to doing a project, working, you know, hierarchical leadership thing. I need this done yesterday, says who's the boss and who's not the boss. And also says who is allowed to put pressure on whom. Yeah. So that's also, well, a lot of like white supremacy stuff translates very easily to patriarchy. I have to tell you, I worked for this one fellow who, um, had asked me to do something and I said, awesome. I will work on that this afternoon. And he's like, oh, well, I, I really need it by this afternoon. I said, okay, I'll, after I have my coffee, I'll go make some time for that and move things around. I'll let you know when to expect it. And he kind of waited there for me. And I'm like, I'm going to have my coffee and then I'll get back to you. <laughs> you know, He's like, you know that I'm your boss, right? I'm like, doesn't Are mean you you're more your schedule isn't more important than mine. I, I've ex explained to you the expectations that I have. You've explained the expectations that you have, but we're going to have a problem if you're standing over my desk right now. Mm. And he's like, but it's important. I'm like, okay, but I'm going to do that. And I'm going to have my coffee first because I have a break right now. And it's like, you you know, you're, you're not really supposed to talk to me like that. I'm like, okay, we are the same age. Okay. 
you're being rude right now. You're being rude. You're indicating that your time is more valuable than mine. And I understand that you think that this, you need to do this over me, but I'll get back to you and you need to walk away from my desk right now. This is why we're oh, advertising downtown. I think of it, um, he was he was the assistant for one of the guys down there. And it was just, who told you that you could talk to me like that? That you could describe or you know tell me what to do with my time? But that really describes it. They believed yep. that they could talk to me like that. They believed that that was normal, okay, and it's not. My pre-doula life was working in a chemical company for right. a bunch of men. And yeah, they would stand over your desk while you work like I'm are you trying to intimidate me now granted I was 100% intimidated at that point like I was not the person I am today if that happened to me today I'd be like Brian you need to go sit down like you need to Brian. leave me alone okay um, Mel please go away I'll get it done but you need to walk away from me but I let them do that. I let them stand over me and I let them sort of instill that in me that that was what I had, that that was what my job was supposed to be is, is dealing with their stuff first before the other stuff that I had to do. And yeah, it's why all of them white men. Yeah. And again, to bring it back to birth work, <laughs> I've had a conversation with a potential client who did end up hiring me, but it was actually not a conversation that I would have had as a new doula because it was a little bit bold and forward. But by the time I got, you know, I'm 45 years old, I am not putting up with anybody's bullshit. And I can, I can express my, my unwillingness to put up with bullshit in a kind, respectful, but firm way hang on one second okay so sorry about that i just had to answer a question in my bedroom so anyways my client i don't remember how this conversation came up how the subject came up but what i said to to them was we are entering or we're about to enter into a transactional relationship here I am going to provide a service for you and you are going to compensate me monetarily for the service that I provide for you. Do you see this here? They're on the same level. So no, you're not my boss, right? We are working together. I don't work for you. We work together. So I, the responsibility that you have to put money into my bank account is equal to the responsibility that I have to provide you with the service that I'm going to provide. So you are not just hiring me. I am also hiring you. And I, they respected it enough that they did hire me. But I, I don't remember why I felt the need to clarify that. But I believe that so strongly. I don't care if it's somebody who comes to your house to clean your toilets. Mrs. Rachel Hollis, are you listening? I don't care if it's somebody who's coming to... Uh, you know, clean your pool or do your lawn work for you in the spring and the fall. I don't care. Those people are providing a service for you and you do have the, you do have the responsibility to say to them, uh, this is how I want it done. 
they have the responsibility to say to you and the right to say to you, this is how much I'm charging you, right? So it's all about rights and responsibilities and we each hold them equally. It's a transactional relationship. It's an equal relationship. And anybody who's going to come to me with an idea of, of them being my boss in that sense, I'm going to have a problem with, which is why I am an entrepreneur and not <laughs> a person because I have always had a problem no do have a, I was gonna say I've always had a problem with authority but I'm not sure if that's quite it I have always looked at relationships of power differently I guess and in, and it did when I was younger like a teenager and a young adult it, it often came off as being challenging and adversarial but now I don't see it as challenging and adversarial we I work with you I don't work for you because you got to give me something in return for this work that I'm doing, yep. right? It's a transactional relationship and you need me and I need you. We need each other. So, but we've set it up. Our society has set it up so that it's the other way around, that there is this power over the person who's giving the money is the one who has the power over the person who's providing the service. And that is some kind of bullshit that I'm not interested in. And I don't think many doulas, especially younger ones, you know, understand that concept that when you're going to an interview, not only are they interviewing you to hire you, but you're also interviewing them to know yes. if they're somebody that you want to work with. Mm -hmm. and, and that's huge. And if it's somebody that you can't work with, then, you know, don't feel bad for turning that work away. The, the work will come. Yes. And, and I'm, I, you know, part of me knows, I understand too, that, like I said, as a new doula, I wouldn't have had the guts to say that, to make that speech to a potential client um, out of the fear that they're going to say, well, that's nope, we're not interested in that. But by the time I said that to them, I was in a place in my life and in, in my birth work career that if they didn't hire me because they wanted that power over relationship, I'm walking, I'm walking and I don't want to work with you anyway. So goodbye. And that comes with time. That comes yeah. with time. Oh but yeah. I mean, I'm a hundred percent there now too. Yes. It's an absolutely valid position to take. And if you are 25 and just starting out in your birth career and that is how you feel, own it, yeah. own it, wear it and walk in, in that truth, because it is a different way of doing business. It's a completely different way. When you think about how work works in our culture, it does not work like that in almost any organization, institution, business atmosphere, but it can, it can. But so continuing that idea within the different, um, the culture of birth work, you know, a little while ago, I brought this up and I wonder if there is the right doula for this family then. Um, when a family had engaged me to discuss getting, they were new here, um, getting birth support put in place, or sorry, postpartum support put in place. And they wanted to know if it was okay if they kept that person at the house. Um, and I was unsure. I'm like, what do you mean? You know, well, they, they can't leave, right? They have to stay. I'm like, well, no, you know, even if they're living, and this was at the beginning of the pandemic, um, even if they're living, you know, they have the freedom to come and go. And, and she said, but what if I put it in the contract that they can't? I said, well, you can't really do that. That's, you know, kidnapping. It's illegal. <laughs> Forcible <laughs> confinement. Forcible <laughs> confinement, yes. Um, 
And she was very, very surprised to find out that she could not tell another person who she was paying what to do. Um, so I assume that culturally speaking, it was normal or normalized somehow within um, her, her home that uh, that is part of the agreement. That is part of the social agreement, cultural agreement that you have with certain people who come to your home to help you with things, that you're in charge of them, um, although you are paying them. You know, I mean, so there's a human uh, rights violation sitting right there. Yes, but culturally very, very common, um, apparently. Um, so I'm wondering, are there also then doulas here who subscribe to that and are comfortable with that because that would also be their norm? This is, this is just something that came rolling through my head just now. It's not okay for me. Um, it's not okay for either of you, but I wonder if there are doulas who are also new here who just don't understand this whole freedom of choice thing and they want to go to work and do what they're familiar with and get paid for it and go the fuck home or not if they're required to stay. 100% there are. I'm sure there are. There probably even are doulas who disagree with this, this model and who like and participate and uphold that model of hierarchy and power over. For sure, because it's we're we're not a monolith. Just because we're doulas, we're not a monolith. We don't all wear long skirts and carry crystals in our pockets. We just we're we're all different, so we're all going to have those different ideas. And yeah, classism is universal. Patriarchy is universal. So those those ideas that I label patriarchal and classist are all over the world. So people will come here with their ideas from their cultures. And uh, they find something new. I was just talking about this the other day about how when my father came here, my father threw a fit the day my mother served spaghetti for dinner. What the hell is this nonsense? <laughs> pasta, pasta? What is pasta? If it's not rice or potatoes and other things like that, he's not interested. And he threw it. So people come here with their stuff ingrained and conditioning is a big thing and what you're accustomed to and what you've learned and programmed to believe is a big thing, which is true. But that that's that's everybody's path to follow, you know, to choose how they want to what they want to learn or not learn. Did we set ourselves up for that hierarchy by calling ourselves doulas? Ah, see, look at that, because that oh. word that word means slave. It literally means slave. And people, people nice it up all the time. I talk about, oh, it means, oh, the person who attends the, the mistress of the household. I have a friend who studies, she's Greek and it literally means slave. And in baptismal ceremonies in the Greek Orthodox church, when a baby's being baptized in Greek, when they say, they, they say that you're dedicating the child to be a slave of God. It is it, the word doula is in there. It means slave, like generally speaking, not just attendant at childbirth. So, and that is why some people like King Yao refuse to use the word doula to describe their work. So remember we were talking um, and we were going to maybe do some uh, research on birth work from our own cultures. Yeah. So there is an Irish word that is used for somebody who attends births. Um, called a howdy. Howdy. So I'm a howdy. <laughs> We're howdy. And why not? Because who, who among us is Greek? 
Like exactly. We're not Greek, but we're using this Greek word. Why would why don't we use an Irish word for that? And and I'm sure that there are other words in different cultures. Um, but yeah, that's a good question. Have we set ourselves up to be? We call ourselves servant. That's literally the meaning of our title that we give ourselves. Yeah. yeah. So there I think go. I'm actually okay with servant. Slave, not so much. Yeah, servant slave, because, not at all. <laughs> yeah, but servant. No, I, yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with serving because it's evolved, right? Like yeah. the, the word, the associations with doula have evolved. But I can totally see why some people would look at that and need to not use it at all. Just nope, that's a hard pass. Thank you very much. Totally understand King Yao's approach there. Um, Me too. But uh, yeah, like it, it kind of fell in line with where we placed ourselves anyway, where we believed because we are caregivers that we are, there is a power. We're caregivers to somebody with more power over, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although again, when we look at many cultures, we are people who are birth and postpartum caregivers to someone who's pregnant, don't see themselves as equal. They often see themselves as more. They're more wise. They're more, you know, aware of what's knowledge. Their knowledge makes them up here and they are serving that person who's just had a baby um, in their family, say, or in their community in order to bring them up to that place, to wisen them, to share what they know about postpartum and having had a baby and, and bring them up. So then they can pass that along to the next person in the community. So I guess it depends in Greek particular slave. Um, in other communities, I see that people who are birth attendants or postpartum attendants to a family are often seen as wise people and they're wiser than the person who's just had a baby so that's you're lifted up you know you hold a particular function in a in a society mm -hmm. you know, the woman who comes to massage you and wrap you up and band your belly when you're after you've had a baby she holds a position or the midwife who comes to attend you when you're in labor and immediately big, they hold a particular position in society and and we've monetized it all is what uh -huh. we've done and when you monetize everything in our culture the holder of the money always is the person who has the power yeah That's, where money is exchanged for those things yes when we monetize those services in our culture that's what happens the holder of the money is the person who gets to call the shots. No, I don't want you to do it that way. I want you to do it this way. Look, that's what you'd say to your housekeeper. Instead of having a conversation beforehand to say, this is how I provide my services. And this is how much I charge. Okay, can we bring that price down? And can you also do these things? Mm, I may be able to do this much, but not this much. And it's gonna cost you this much extra. And a conversation about how that's gonna happen and you shake hands as equals and you move forward. That's not how it usually goes. No, because no. I mean, oftentimes you'll get like the times that I've had where I had where I had pushback on my contract. It was like it came at me. The information or demands came yeah. at me, not, you know, is it possible for us to blah, blah, blah? Can we alter X, Y, Z? And I've had those and, and, and would totally. But when they came at me that we're not going to pay for xyz and you have to do a b and c it was like yeah mm -hmm. i'm not sure that i'm the doula for you 
because uh, again, like, as you say, I've gotten to a point where eh, I don't have to give up my entire soul for a couple hundred bucks. Like, I mean, maybe now in the middle of a pandemic, but <laughs> when I got a bunch hey, of bills I would today. like to give you this much of my soul. This <laughs> How much for $200 buy me? This, this much of my soul. <laughs> um, but yeah, like when, when that happened, you know, pre-pandemic, it was like, oh, because you could almost see, you could see where that person was almost devaluing me as a person. Mm-hmm for for all of this and was like uh, you know what I can't do that I yeah. can't that whole situation makes me feel icky and mm-hmm. I can't I, I I'm at a point now in my career where I don't have to feel icky to do that to 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 yeah. get a few bucks like I, I can't I, don't have, I will not be made to feel icky no and I I'm, won't be made to feel less than yeah by somebody mm-hmm. and and I'll be totally honest. Those pushbacks always came from white men. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, because we live in a white supremacist patriarchal society, when we get that sort of pushback, when we get that sort of resistance to our prices and so on, the doula, the person who's providing the service, you have to almost take a super firm stance on it. It's 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 really uh, non-effectual to take a soft kind of backpedaling stance. No, these are my fees, period. Or or I've said to people who have actually approached nicely, what is your budget? If your budget is a thousand dollars, let me get back to you to let you know what kind of services I can provide for you within your budget. So I take back the control yeah, and I create something for them that they can afford because they've told me this is their budget that works for me. And I'm willing to do this much for you for that price. So if they, if my rates are $1,300 and they tell me we've only got seven, okay, then let me get back to you about what I can provide for you for $700. Yeah. That's, that's me taking back the control of you trying to haggle me down. No, you're not going to get $1,300 worth of services for $700. You're going to get $700 worth of services for $700. And I will let you know what that looks like. So and I think the other thing too is, is, I mean, it's usually, you know, at that point you go, oh, you know, I'm not the doula for you, but let me recommend. No, nope. no, don't, Why don't throw your, don't throw your doula sisters under the bus like yeah. that. <laughs> You people don't deserve a doula. Nope. <laughs> go go read a book. Go watch some YouTube and see if you can do this shit for free on your own. Goodbye. Yep. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm not going to recommend somebody who's willing to give you $1,300 with the services for five. No. Or, 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 you know, recommend a newer doula who, you know, you're going to treat like shit because that's not fair either. No, no. Yeah. So don't recommend doulas to people who are shitty Assholes. don't do that no it's a different thing if somebody's looking for um a doula who is of their faith or you know of their yeah. cultural background oh, yeah, that's, that's, different. that's different but if they're assholes and you decide that you're not going to work with them don't send other people to them oh i have this other asshole doula who will work with <laughs> You and this asshole doula will work together perfectly. <laughs> Maybe we should know some asshole doulas. 
Hey. I would say in the past, it used to be me, but no, not anymore. <laughs> hey, Betsy, I got the perfect clients for you, bitch. <laughs> They're assholes just like you. You guys are going to get along just great. <laughs> that, or we need those doulas who just have no filter. Some, you know, they say, we're going to send you to the non-filter doula. So you're going to, they roll up to, to that doula and they're like, so here's what we expect for this amount of money. And we got the doula with no filter going, you fucking kidding me? Is this a joke? Isn't that like, the three of us? Or you, or you fuck with them and send, and send every badass, hard ass doula to them one by one. Oh, sorry, that doesn't work for me, but I've got somebody else for you. And then send another badass doula till they just fucking give up and realize yeah. <laughs> this profession is too badass and too hard for us to work within. So we're going to do this on our own. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. And so, and so we have not gotten, we haven't gotten to our topic and we'll just put that in a drawer somewhere, get back to it later. <laughs> I know it's a good one. I, yeah, I, I, this has been good. It's been a cascade of topics. It's a meandering, uh, a meandering trail along the garden of whatever the fuck. I don't know what it is. <laughs> you know, Maybe I'll you call know. it that. Meandering we rambled path. on and on. In other words, we rambled on and on. <laughs> uh, a rambling path along what the fuck. <laughs> That's the title of this episode. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. 12 o'clock and Ziggy had a grooming appointment, but they called and said, the groomers are open despite lockdown happening at 12 a.m. Uh, today. But the, the person who's grooming her isn't there. So we're going to, we reschedule to tomorrow. Look at this beast. Look at her. She's she looks like, like me. <laughs> yes. These are dreadlocks back here. <laughs> dreadlocks back here. Okay. This is my Rasta puppy. Well, I was going to say, she's Jamaican. <laughs> she's right? Jamaican Rasta puppy. But, <laughs> but we, we just can't do it. Those mats have to go. Aww. So I don't know. Maybe next time you see her, she's going to look like a ferret. <laughs> All of this. All of this is going to get shaved off. All of it. Or most Poor of it. Sod. Tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll go. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, you know, okay. thanks for listening. Thank you for your, yeah. Thank you for listening to us. Ramble. ramble on. One topic to another topic to another topic. Ups and downs. This episode has everything in it except murder. Next murder. time. Um, we'll put the murder in there for you. Okay, dope. All right, cool. Okay. Have a good have one. A everybody. Wear a mask, stay safe. Yes. And if you choose to get a vaccine, good for you. Next week, baby, right there. It's going to go right in my arm. So excited. I, I have, um, I ha also have an appointment. I am not excited, but I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm fucking a, thrilled. I'm I, look, former, I don't former anti-vaxer. <laughs> um, I'm I'm not at all back over in the pro pro yeah 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 vaccine camp. I'm still skeptical. I'm still cautious, but I'm gonna. But I've made a decision. That I'm gonna do it. I've only had one flu shot in my whole life. <laughs> Never had a flu. But shot. I'm like fucking put that shit in my arm right now just are you are you getting the vaccine stuff i think you've been silent on this so now we want you to I, on this i'm still on right the fence now. 
I am still on the fence. My kids all have made doctor's appointments with our family doctor to sit down and talk about it. Um, two of them, as you know, had uh, vaccine reactions and were hospitalized. So they want to have a discussion first about what it would look like. And then uh, both of them have requested that if they're going to have it, they have it in our doctor's office so that uh, if they need anything, um, they can be attended to right away. So that discussion is coming up and we will see. And I'm on the fence. Roger is ready to have it, but. Um, well, I will say um, when I took my mom to her appointment uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was, there was paramedics standing by. There was, you know, they had, they had an ambulance standing by. I don't know if that makes me feel better. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. I was, at, I was at a clinic for, you know, the elderly, um, for, for reactions and stuff, but the paramedics would wander through where we were waiting after it was finished. You know, how are you doing? Is there anything we can do for you? Are you feeling okay? You know, stuff. And there was like zero reactions from anybody actually, um, for the whole time that we were there, but they've definitely got, they've got, they've got shit under control in the actual clinics. It's just a matter of actually getting to the goddamn clinics. Yeah, and so on that note, I'm also trying to encourage Roger to have a have his done at the doctor's office and not at a clinic, or unless the clinic does have that set up because he has anaphylaxis allergies, um, and so does Xander. So it's both of them. I, I would be much more comfortable. I kind of want to wait off until everyone else is done. So if anyone needs taking care of, I'm all right. You know, <laughs> I'm not having side effects when they're having side effects. Um, so yeah, I have three concerns with those kids. Kira had her vaccines up until she was six. Um, she never had side effects that didn't concern her. All those were fine. It was just uh, Xander and then Abby. And uh, so we'll see. We'll see. Everyone's gonna have a discussion with our doctor and then uh, make their decisions. And I will always support their decisions. I'm Mine is being done at the hospital. So I feel pretty good about that. Like I'm watching the, the vaccine clinic literally in the hospital building I'm like, how close Barron? is this emergency centenary oh okay mm -hmm. yeah no mine's at the um <laughs> because i'm diabetic i can get in otherwise it's over 60. no yeah um so i feel a little bit better about that <clears throat> the hospital was my first choice and i got in there so that's yeah but again i'm not i'm very i feel cautious i feel uh, my last three children are not vaccinated at all um except sorry recently they were not vaccinated as children they have some vaccines now that was their own decisions my daughter when she worked in a daycare she decided that she was going to go ahead and comply with the rules and get the vaccines and she she did um so anyways it's been a long journey to hear very very long journey to hear uh, almost 30 year journey of vaccine, vaccine reflection for me. Um, but yeah, I've decided I'm going to do it. Well, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Well, we're here to support you in whatever yeah. you decide. Yes. Because we're a doula. Good doula. Yeah. Yes. We will always ask you, and how do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, cool. Either right, way, wear a mask, side. wash your hands. Yes, please do that. And um, we shall see you. We will be in your ear holes next week. Yep. Peace out. Bye, All guys. Right. Bye.